The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. And before we get started here, we've got a great interview coming up here. But before we get started, just a couple of announcements uh, for those of you that have been calling and sending me emails asking about the seminar coming up in January in Las Vegas. It is full. Uh, I'm keeping this one pretty low. It is full. I plan on possibly doing another one out in Vegas in June. Uh, if anyone is interested, if you could please send me an email so I know you're interested and I can go ahead and get that scheduled for June and that'll be held the same time the Stone Show is out there. Uh, for those of you that, that don't know that uh, the Stone Show has moved from January to June, but I'm still doing the uh, the January January seminar, but it is full. I do have the correspondence classes uh, still available, so go ahead and send me an email if you want some more information on that. Uh, my email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. All righty, folks, let's get to our interview here. Um, this is one of the pet peeves I've I've had for quite a long time, and that pet peeve is basic, and that is a lot of fabricators, installers, and restoration contractors aren't familiar with the type of glues that they're using. They don't know the difference between epoxies, polyesters, and some of the other glues that are out there. So I was fortunate enough last week uh, to interview Paul Cleese with Bondstone. So now the following interview is pre-recorded, so you can't call in. However, uh, after you hear the interview, if you do want to call in with a question, I'll stick around for a few minutes uh, after the interview is play played. Uh, the call-in number is 323-870-3968. If you want to send me a text message or uh, message me on Facebook while uh, we're playing this interview, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, if you're on Facebook, just simply go to Stone Forensics. And you'll find me there. Uh, also, you can send me a text message on there as well in Messenger. So uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and listen to what Paul has to say. Alrighty, folks, uh, we are on the phone with Paul Cleese with Bondstone, and uh, this is a subject I've been wanting to talk about for the last couple of years. I think it's a really, really important subject, but before we get into it, let me have Paul introduce himself and tell us a little bit about Bondstone. So the mic is yours, Paul. Oh, thanks, Fred. I appreciate you uh, giving me a call and wanting me to discuss this because um, this is what we do all day long is discuss uh, these topics on the different adhesives. Um, I'll start off with Bondstone. Um, I've actually been with the company uh, since 87. Our company was formed in 62, and uh, we originally, the original owner um, was a, a chemist, and worked in a stone yard and uh he there was a huge need for adhesives for bonding limestone together to compete against precast panels back in the early 60s so uh he developed a line of products and worked hand in hand with all the quarries and some of the fabricators around the country and developed bondstone and uh throughout the years um he developed um, fast and slow systems, systems that deal with, uh, you know, different climates. And when, uh, when I came on, um, he wanted to get more into the uh, countertop market back in the late, uh, late 80s. Um, mm -hmm. He was still supplying for some of the fabricators for the countertop market in the 80s. But uh, so we developed a line called Touchstone to, uh, 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 for a lot of the, need for epoxy systems in different climates so that's pretty much how you know bondstone we we deal with uh, everything from uh, countertops 
uh, buildings, construction, uh, panels going up on skyscrapers to restoration of some of the you know, big projects around the country. Um, and we deal with a lot with patching materials for the different stones. Our, uh, our main, as you say, it, uh, um, they look at bondstone as being strictly for, uh, you know, natural stone applications. So we get a lot of calls from architects and engineers working closely with them for designing products for different applications. But uh, the growing market for countertops really brought a different, re a lot of different resins into the market. So I'm sure that's a lot of what you want to talk about today. So, um, yeah, and I've been uh, helping with, uh, do a lot of the tech research and helping customers out and uh, designing different products for them. So that's where we're right. at today. Great, great news. And, you know, as you probably know, I've I've used the, the Bondstone for many, many, many years as a restoration contractor, teaching fabrication classes, et cetera. So uh, you, you're just the right guy we need to discuss this topic because here's my first question, Paul, and, and this is something I've seen over the years, and that is, you know, these guys out there, they tend to use the word epoxy for everything that's glue and adhesives. You know, it could be polyester, it could be acrylic, you know, go ahead and epoxy it. And I always, I always consider that something like when you say, here goes Xeroxis, <laughs> you know, you're 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 talking about it. So what I want you to do for me, if you can, is explain the differences between, say, an epoxy and a polyester, and, and some of the other glues that you guys have. I think that's really important. So again, the mic is yours. Sure. Sure, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, you know, since we deal a lot with uh, customers and distributors and uh, fabricators around the country, there are even to this day with all the internet and everything else it's still the perception is still wrong in a lot of the products it's, they said yep. it's an epoxy like you said it's not right. so generally we here manufacture epoxies polyesters and urethanes um we do not manufacture acrylics and vinyl esters so i know about them and the use of them but um there are a lot of those out on the market but i'll just give you some yeah. you know the basics to them because uh, we're not a manufacturer of them so sure sure um but um epoxies are generally um a two part or one two to one or a one to one system when you mix them together uh they react together and they work great for bonding uh, stone together um they uh it's a it's a reaction happening between the a and b um, a mechanical uh, reaction. And when you get into polyesters, they're usually a uh, peroxide hardener. It's a little hardener that goes with it. And generally the difference we tell people is anything um, that you have in your shop or you see people selling, if it's got a little hardener with it, not just the, not just the tube because there's a lot of urethanes with little tube hardeners, um, but this is – like a peroxide, meaning like a white, off-white color hardener that mm -hmm. comes out. It's almost like a Bondo. If you've ever worked with cars before, it's just a little bit, you know, 50 to 1 or 10 to 1 ratio. Um, you mix that in, and that sets off the polyester. It's not a chemical reaction, but it, it's an addition. It means it it, it helps the, uh, the, the resins uh, activate. So... Right. That is a lot different than uh, like an epoxy system. And uh, a lot of the vinyl esters and the uh, acrylics work the same way. Uh, some of them use an MEK peroxide cure. And uh, it's the same thing as far as, uh, you know, it, it's an additional mechanism to set it off, whereas there's not a, a chemical reaction like an epoxy. Um, and like a urethane, I'll go, I'm just going to go over these really quick because they're going to be going yeah, into great. different uh, aspects of the, the different markets and stuff. But So you have an epoxy, a polyester, a vinyl ester, which is uh, a lot of hybrids are out there right now. Uh, they're polyester blends with acrylics. And uh, then you get into a, an acrylic system. Uh, those have been pretty popular over the years. And then uh, urethane are pretty much, and I'm just talking the stone market here. You can go into different markets, and there's a lot of other right. resins. But those are probably the five basic, and uh, there's a lot of hybrids in between there. Um, like a polyepoxy is just a polyester with uh, a little bit of, you know, epoxy backbone in it. And uh, 
there's different properties you get out of the, the materials. But I, I think the main the main thing you see if somebody says, you know, hey, yeah, I'm using epoxy, is if it's not a two to one or a one to one system, and it's got a a little hardener that uh, has like a cream color to it uh, or a white color to it, uh, that's generally a uh, polyester or a vinyl ester or acrylic. Now we package some of our urethanes, and this is just for shelf life into smaller containers, little tubes, um, just for the shelf life of it. So you can get a, you know, a quart kit and you get a quart of A and you get uh, six five-ounce tubes of part B. It's in a tube, like a toothpaste mm-hmm. tube. Right. That is a one-to-one mix, but we package it in uh, in tube systems. So um, generally, yeah, any time the hardener's got a color to it, a little cream hardener, it's got like, it's like a white color. It's generally uh, a peroxide cured product, so that'd be not an epoxy. Great. That's a great overview. Now, let, let's get into a little specifics, and let me just make this a general question. Is Now, you know, where would we use, say, a an epoxy over a polyester or a urethane, and, and, or vice versa? In other words, where would we use each one of these products? Let's start with the polyester. Um, polyester's been around, and it's probably a great deal of the market for the past 20 years, you know, it's a 80, 20 have used polyesters. Um, and it's a quick, it's a quick bond, fast setting, a lot of shrinkage to it. So if it's a real porous stone, it goes in and it shrinks. It's still got some good bond to it. Um, but it's strictly for interior use. Uh, anytime you get exterior, uh, a lot of those polyesters never fully cure and they expand and contract and they get brittle and crack and pop off. Yep. Um, so, uh, Strictly an interior product, but it's you know it, sometimes it's, if the stone's prepped right, there's score marks on it, and um, you can get a successful cure, you know, especially with some pretty big miters or uh, uh, laminations. But a lot of times people run into problems with uh, it, it, you know, adding too much or going exterior, adding too much hardener with it, and it gets yep. hot and cracked, or going exterior with it. I don't recommend that. Um, Vinyl esters, that's relatively been taken over a lot of the polyester business over the last, uh, you know, four or five years. And those have, you know, they're hybrids, so there's a little bit more structural strength to them. Um, and some of them say they, they work exterior, but I'm st- we're still getting a lot of responses of, uh, uh, we wouldn't recommend because there's still sh- a lot of shrinkage to them. And the expansion contraction exterior breaks it down a lot of on the vinyl esters. Um, So it's a stronger uh, method for bonding interior uh, stones, some of the harder stones and, uh, you know, some of the engineered stones. But when you get into exterior, I would still uh, either do an epoxy Mm -hmm. uh, for structural. Um, Acrylics have been around for, you know, there's a lot of hybrids with acrylics right now too as well. Um, And those are good materials but they're very nasty smelling and uh, i don't yep. know if you've ever worked with those fred but oh yeah boy uh, <laughs> yep. it's like working in a nail shop um yep. you know a lot of times they're not going to want you to be in, inside the uh the house working with those because of the smell Absolutely. of those but uh, those some of those are used i mean there's a lot of different uh, acrylics for the exterior market that they have fillers in it but uh Sorry for that. Um, no problem. But uh, we, uh, uh, you know, a lot of them are, say they're UV, but, you know, in a lot of instances they're not. But it's a really, it's a brittle system. But some of the, uh, in the recent years, a lot of the additives they're using can uh, flex, makes them a little more flexible for the stone applications, which works, uh, which uh, makes it really nice. And then the last one is urethanes, and we also make those, and that's one of our uh primary products for uh, for bonding uh, some of the light colored stones um developed these uh oh several uh, you know five six years ago for the for the countertop market but we've had them for the exterior market for over 10 years um they just they have a little bit more flexibility to them it's not uh when you think of urethane you think of urethane cocks and they're real flexible you know 100 percent elongation yep. 200 these are yep. different uh uh, blend of materials for urethanes, and they're really s- 
structurally, I mean, we're getting almost, uh, you know, 90, 80 to 90% of a uh, cure properties of an epoxy, which is incredible for urethane. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, they're UV stable and they hold up exterior and they expand and contract a little bit for the movement outside as well when you're working with, you know, different kinds of materials and joints that, that do expand and contract. So um, that kind of separates a little bit of those materials yep. uh, into the different market, but you know, we can move on and, you know, and yeah, get, just, get in deeper if you want. Sure. Well, just a couple of quick uh, other questions about uh, – uh, what about wet areas, you know, like a like a shower? I mean, we've already discussed, you know, what can be used interior or exterior. Should we treat a wet area like an exterior or, you know, for example, can a polyester, which normally is not used in, a, in an in an, in, um, sorry, which usually isn't used in an exterior. I get my interiors and exteriors straight here. Uh, would we would we would it be OK to use that in a shower where it's constantly wet or would that would you prefer an epoxy or urethane? No, I would not use uh, a polyester uh, in a in a shower area. It's just uh, still has the uh, a lot of the characteristics that break down in moisture. Um, yep. Whereas it's uh, when you use an epoxy or you can use a urethane, but there's a lot of disadvantages to urethane. If you definitely have to have all your substrate dry when you use urethanes, whereas an epoxy, you just want you know most of the surface moisture off of the uh off of the stone but uh with the urethane you can use those for bathrooms uh and shower areas and uh acrylics are used quite a bit um but polyesters are used for really quick fixes for you know spot bonding some panels while the rest of the adhesive or mortar bed is uh is gluing up in in, in place um but I would not use it for uh you know any kind of uh if you know it's a piece that's going to loosen up or because you can see it, a lot of those joints will, uh, um, or if they're bonding with it, spot bonding with it are going to, um, it's going to capture some of the moisture and break it down over time. Yep. See it all. I see those failures constantly. You know, it's funny the other day I got a telephone call just yesterday, as a matter of fact, and, uh, someone had opened up a, a can of, I forget whether it was polyester or, or whatever it was, and he said, Fred, how do I know this stuff is, is good? Do ha- you have any tips there as far as, you know, the, the age of, of any of those glues? I mean, I mean, should we keep them a year and throw them out? I mean, hopefully we're using them within that amount of time, but, but sometimes you get, you know, an old can that's sitting in the back of the cabinet for a while. So, so what's your advice there? Yeah, generally, uh, I think, uh, it's a year, six months to a year, year and a half for polyesters and unopened cans. Once you open the can, uh, you know it starts uh, reacting, um, and it's going to get the, it's going to break down, and it's not going to be any good for you. It's going to really, a lot of the ingredients in it are, you know, evaporating out of the product, so right. you're not going to get a, a very good cure with it, um, especially. If you you want to keep those in a cool area, if it's a polyester or a, an acrylic or vinyl ester as well, because mm. uh, those will help shelf life. Um, but you're usually going to get anywhere. I mean, you can. Here's an example: is we get calls from people that had a uh, an acrylic in or a, uh, a polyester in the back of their truck, and they're driving around Phoenix, and you know it's a hundred. 10 degrees, 115 degrees. Well, you probably got a couple months of shelf life there. If, if right. <laughs> it's just because uh, of the heat buildup and, uh, you know, opening, closing the can and keeping moisture in there is going to affect it as well. Um, so yeah, it really, if you, if you have a fresh can and it's not open and there's no issues with it and it's stored properly, um, you can probably look at about a year, I would imagine. Um, we have, Oh, go ahead. No, as I said, that's what I thought. So, great. And then epoxies, on the other hand, um, usually after about a year to two years in unopened cans, your Part B will get a little amber looking. So it, you're losing your translucency and your uh, clearness to the to the resin. Mm-hmm. Um, and those can be, you know, stored in you know high elevated temperatures. You don't want to stick it outside in the Midwest or uh, 
during the winter time because it'll uh, get chunky on the sides inside the cans. But I mean, we've had stuff here, uh, you know, just for testing wise, 20 years, and we still get the same properties, but the resin itself will amber um, when it sits alone uh, over time. But uh, and then urethanes, on the other hand, are you still got about a there's a lot of manufacturers, not just us, that have these urethanes out there, and they're pretty new to the market for the right. countertop market. Um, and those uh, roughly anything from nine months to, you know, a year, year and a half, same thing. But uh, those are the they're, – they're not as sensitive to, like, polyesters for, uh, you know, being exposed to heat and uh, in vinyl, in, in vinyl esters, I should say. Right. So. Great. Good. That, that, that's good. Good. Now you you mentioned ambering, and that uh, I don't know if we mentioned this before in your description or not, but I'll ask it specifically. And that is, what about UV resistance? Do any of these glues have a you know UV resistance? And I know you kind of alluded to that when you're talking about polyester, but uh, uh, let me just ask it that way: Do any of these have UV resistance for outdoor use? And that is part one of the interview. Uh, we'll be back right after this for part two. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality, environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain? From organic stains to inorganic stains, Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping. Alrighty, folks, we're back and we're listening to a pre-recorded show with uh, Paul Cleese with Bondstone with some pretty interesting information. So I'm going to play part two here in a second. But before I do, if anybody has a question after uh, the interview here, the phone number is 323-870-3968. Or if you want to send me a uh, an email, it's fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. So uh, we'll be right back uh, after part two here. So we do a lot of the UV testing. We have a QUV here that tests the materials for ultraviolet. It's like intense rays. Um, so as an example, it would be like uh, sticking out in the sun in Florida or Texas or Arizona, uh, you know, extreme temperature changes. Epoxies um, will slightly amber over time. Uh, some at different degrees, depending on the, some of the accelerants put in in the epoxies right. that uh, may change it a little quicker. But that we know of right now, that's totally UV stable or non-yellowing of an epoxy system over time. Um, generally, if you're in a tight joint with uh, like a granite, a darker granite, um, super, you know, miter, a tight miter or joint, you don't really see the change. But right. when we get into all these lighter stones now, I would stick stay away from an epoxy for doing uh, light marbles if you're if it's going to be exposed to sunlight or you know a lot of the homes now it is exposed to light coming in the house. Yep. yep. Um, so it, it it will darken. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, that's the one. And then I was going to say that's, that's great. Great advice. Great advice. Yeah, polyesters will uh, will change color as well. Um, over time, and uh, when exposed to ultraviolet, vinyl esters, uh, the same thing. Acrylics, some of the acrylic blends are better than uh, epoxies and polyesters as far as UV, but uh, the best ones to use for UV if you're working with uh, any kind of colored lights, light-colored stones are the urethanes, uh, urethane-based, because uh, they're, they're totally non-yellowing, 
and uh, UV stable. Um, I mean, obviously, manufacturers are different, so, you know, we test a lot of them, but there's a lot of stuff coming on the market. So, I personally, I would get, if I was worried about it, I would get a piece of some white marble and take some samples of some different materials, glue them up, and stick them outside as your reference material because, you know, taking somebody's word for it uh, is not always the best advice if uh, they haven't, they're not going to be using it in the same manner that you are. So, um, but urethanes that we've tested so far are pretty darn good as far as UV. Ours is, you know, we rec- we uh, put it out in the market as UV stable. So, and it we've done all the testing for it. Now, there's a lot of different things that happen to people and applications that I can go over if you want. That oh yeah, cause that, was next, to, that was my next question. Yeah, go ahead, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, some of the issues that people run into is. Uh, like I said, with, with epoxies, when you're doing like if it's already glued up in, uh, on some light colored stone, the only way you're going to get rid of that, uh, is to get back. Sometimes it's just ambered or chalking at the surface. You know, you just take a, uh, needle Dremel tool with a straight edge and, and drill, drill back about a eighth inch into the joint and then patch it with a urethane, a UV urethane, if it's already in place. Um, but, uh, when you're working with, uh, epoxies, you do, if you're using a clear epoxy on a real porous stone, you're going to get that staining tendency to it. It'll go into the crystals and weep in there and, uh, you'll see like a stain line. And a lot of guys in the past were using fillers, cabocil and, uh, it's fillers and some tints to limit that from happening. Um, and, when you get into some of the real porous, you know, quartzite now and uh, mm-hmm. some different stones, uh, you get uh, this uh, leaching and staining issue. So, I mean, a lot of, I mean, the fabricators and some of the installers are the, a lot of the experts, I think, in the in the market that I know of. I've talked to. Sometimes they'll sometimes they'll put an impregnating uh, sealer on the joints, and mm-hmm. so it goes into the into the pores, and you can still get bond with the adhesive but it limits any kind of uh, leaching. If it is a, a resin that leaches, we'll you know, right. limit it from going into the pores and staining it. So yeah, I always, I think um, it's a good idea to, to test. I, I, I thoroughly like that idea of, uh, you know, especially if you've got a large project, you don't want to have that problem because it's almost impossible to fix that problem once it ha- if it soaks into the stone. So, yeah. So, so go on, continue. Any, any other problem? I, I guess let me put it to you this way. What's the biggest issue you see out there or the biggest mistake I should say that, uh, uh that guys in the industry make with glues? Um, you know, just by, Adding uh, more tint, it's gonna make that line disappear um, and not stain the line, uh, stain the joint. But the the issue that I see a lot of people running into is when they're either doing a miter or they're doing a seam, is uh, their process. You know, uh, generally if it if there's moisture in the stone, you want to get that moisture out because that's going to be a carrier for any kind of system you're putting in there and and yep. leaching it into that joint. Um, but uh, um, moisture and if, what kind of solvents are using. If, uh, you know, the best thing to use is a, uh, something that flashes fast if they're cleaning the joint or the, the miter. Something like, uh, you know, uh, acetone mm-hmm. is great for cleaning the joint or denatured alcohol. But sometimes if they're using a dirtied, uh, dirtied up uh, um, solvent that takes time to, to evaporate, you're trapping it in there, and it's getting mixed mm. in with the resin you're putting in there, and it, that's where you get a lot of staining. The staining issue is pretty big right now. That's what I've seen. And, and uh, it, yeah. yeah, and one thing that people have to remember, and we've been pretty much promoting this a lot with, too, is uh, if you're doing uh, when they together or do a seam uh, for cleanup on epoxies and polyesters and vinyl esters, it's fine to use uh, you know an acetone to uh, clean up your stone and maybe some of the edges. But when you're working with urethanes, you want to use denatured alcohol because a lot of guys are flooding the surface with uh, acetone and it's, and it's diluting the uh, urethane and that's where they mm. get softening of the cure and or staining of the joint. So uh, denatured alcohol for all urethanes, any, you know, 
like any manufacturer's urethane that's out there in the market. Great. Let's let's get into product specifics, I guess. And the, the way I want to do this is let let's first describe. Uh, you know, obviously there's experienced people listening to this this broadcast, but there's also uh, new guys in it. Explain the difference in grades and where to use them. You know, a flowing grade versus a you know a knife grade, and, and where would you you'd use those particular grades? Okay. Um, well, it's when you're working with a lot of guys, you know, work with them differently, to be honest with you, too. A yep. lot of guys like flowing grade because they think they can get it tighter or they, and they do get it tighter. But the problem with uh, if you're, you don't have it really tight and say you're doing a, a miter that's chipped at the face, um, if you put a flowing resin in there, you're almost getting the hourglass look to it because it's going in and flowing out, and you're not getting that bond, that thick material all the way through the joint. So right. when you come back to tool it, you can away a lot of that stone because there's open gaps in there. So when they're working with miters, a lot of times they wanted either a real knife grade or a gel, you know, gel consistency, or sometimes what they want is kind of a like a, a snotty consistency, so it'll fill mm-hmm. that gap, um, and then. You know, a lot of, uh, if you're working with a lot of uh, uh, seams, then they probably want a lot of knife grade stuff and, you know, or like uh, flowing paste consistency. So um, it's going to flow down into the crack and, uh, or knife it up to the face where it's easier to, uh, to clean up. But uh, yeah, a, a knife grade system in our market is considered a gel system a lot of times. And those are like vertical for a lot of vertical applications, either patching or doing vertical joints or, you know, a lot of the miters that are happening. And then when you get into flowing systems, it's generally like, uh, oh, anywhere from like syrup consistency uh, to oil. And then uh, when you get into penetrating, if they're doing some kind of slab consolidation or something, then it's almost like a, you know, anything down to almost like water could be right for uh getting into these small micro fissures so now let's let's get into some specific products and just give us a, a, a you know have to go through every product you guys have but uh give us a quick rundown of uh, of what you guys have you know product you know don't be afraid to mention product names etc et so um again the mic is yours okay well like i said we're in uh in a lot of different markets. Um, we're in the exterior market for doing panels, uh, restoration market exterior, um, interior commercial, um, and countertop market, and hardscape market. So there's a lot of uh, different products we carry. So I don't know if there's one you want to talk about first here. Um, not you know or what about or, well why don't I why don't I ask about this one because this is the one I I, I just made a note of what about your uh, your limestone your your repair kits specifically for limestone oh okay yeah we uh when you use a uh, like a typical epoxy or polyester to patch uh, limestone um, you don't get that water absorption look to it and they in the past a lot of the you get the structural bond with an epoxy in the in the patch, but you don't get the UV resistance. And when you look at a polyester, you don't get the structural uh, bond with it for uh, uh, for limestones. It, it shrinks, and you get cracking around the edges, and they pop off, and they're not really recommended for it. You can get away with it for interior patching for some of the different stones, but exterior, I wouldn't recommend it at all. But our, right. our limestone patches, um, we have a urethane. Uh, patch generally for uh, real compressive strength uh, edges like steps and corners and then we have a uh, it's called our historical restoration mortar that's generally like a uh, breathable system that you can use for doing face patching uh, where they have uh, pitting and spalling where uh, you get that same look at limestone and uh, so that those are our, and those both can be used interior and exterior so the, the big benefit to both of those products, um, but they do have to be like the last patch limestone does have to be sanded. So it's not like a tool in place, like a mortar, like the HRM or historical restoration mortar can be, you know, uh, handled just like a uh, mortar. 
not a cement. Well, yeah, Portland cement, similar to that, but right. it's it's all lime based. So, but you get the 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 you don't have that flat look like you have an epoxy or a polyester in uh, patching work. It's got more aesthetics to it and granular looks to it, like the limestone itself. You know, one of the that's great because the limestone repairs. I have had a lot of guys try to repair limestones with you know epoxy or polyester, and they they might be able to fill in the gap or whatever, but it looks like crap. Where that last pass prod, prod last patch product uh, works really really well. You know, uh, for years I've used your stone kits, and, and there's uh, I, I kind of want you to go over that here in a second. Uh, but uh, just particularly what I like about the, about this the restoration of stone repair kit is is the little vials of powdered stone that you have in there. Do you, you still have those, correct? Yes, correct, yeah. Well, why, why yeah, don't you uh, uh, go, go over that kit and uh, tell us what's in that kit? Well, here, let me uh, pull it up for you here. You um, it is. It was originally, you know, we came out with a kit. It's called our, uh, 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 let's see, we have so many <laughs> kits. I, yeah, it's, it's like, market. I know. <laughs> um. But let me uh, let me pull that up for you here, and then I can go through that with you. Because I originally helped the guy um, help design that that kit system we have, and uh, they uh, let's see that is the we have a natural stone repair kit, which is a smaller kit for you know interior and exterior repairs. Right. Um, then we have a granite granite marble repair kit, which uh, carries a lot of the uh, an epoxy resin and the liquid liquid fillers uh liquid tints for for patching and for repairs but then you you're talking about our uh uh let me get to all our kids here sorry about that I wasn't prepared for that one to be honest that's with all right. you, but hey. let's see okay repair kits here we go and uh yeah the one we uh we came out with oh it's it's our deluxe repair kit and yep. uh we actually originally came out with this for the monument repairs for headstones. We had a guy that was re, uh, uh, Y2K, you know, all the, they lived past the 1900s and they, uh, right. they refilled <laughs> all the letters. And, uh, we developed a kit for them with all the different granules of stone in there with the UV patching system. But this kit is, if you're a, a restoration guy, and just not like a homeowner or a guy doing a one one off repair. Yep. This is really a nice kit because it's got all of our powdered tints in it. It's got seven powdered tints. Um, whereas they don't when you use a liquid tint versus a powder tint, there's a lot of different changes that happen with the resin. Um this powder tint just gradually gets you to where you're going and you can go back and forth a lot easier and get your color you need. Whereas a liquid tint you can go opaque really quick with your with your patches. And you're adding so much tint um, that, you know, sometimes you just have to start over again. So yep. we ca- we carry the powder tints in there, and we we also carry uh, seven uh, standard stone dust with it. And they're usually used for, for fillers. Um, uh, when you're using maybe to backfill a patch, you want a little bit of substance behind it. And that's when we use the, a lot of the granules in there. Uh, for uh, patching, and you also have liquid tints in the in the kit. There's mixed cups. There's a uh, our last patch uh, diamond material for for doing a lot of the uh, deeper patch areas yep. for the the granites and marbles. And then we have an accelerator. With and a lot of people don't know this, but with our our urethane, it's generally a, a you know a real pretty fast setup time. It's generally about uh, with our last patch diamonds probably about you know, 15, 20 minutes, it'll set up for you and get rock hard in probably an hour. But if you need that to set up and, you know, if you're working on a kitchen or a entrance area to a uh, uh, a commercial building, you can have the stuff set up and look for you in 10 minutes and do your material and have traffic on it within an hour. Nice. So it, yeah, you just, it's a little, it's, our accelerator just have to use four or five drops, the accelerator into the mix and it'll set off and it doesn't wreck the properties of it. So also in there, we have the mixing gloves and sticks. And uh, we do have, in that bigger kit, we have a uh, CA glue. It's a, um, it's a, it's an acrylic, you know, it's not the UV light cure one, but it's a, it's a real fast setting uh, acrylic, like super glue almost, that mm-hmm. if you're doing, 
a crack repair or a little chip and you want to have that repair done and you know in minutes um you accidentally do something at a job site and you want to fix it um it's got an activator that can spray uh that you spray on and uh you can you can fix that uh, repair within uh you know within 4 or 5 minutes and be done with it and you get a high polish with that material as well we usually recommend sometimes when people are doing seam work and uh if they're using a polyester in the seams and you can feel it with your hand going over it. A lot of guys, what they'll do is they'll take our CA glue and uh, the flowing and go right over the joint and spray it. And then you got a polished surface, and then you got your color underneath it with your uh, you know, the polyester you used. And then you can't even feel it over the surface with it. But uh, That's- it works, like I said, on a lot of applications. But if that joint is moving, if you, you can't really recommend using that exterior because that's a – that acrylic is a little brittle, and I wouldn't right. recommend it for exterior. You're going to get chipping on it. Yeah, it's a, so, it's a but, great kit. Yeah. Great kit. I've used it for years, and uh, really versatile. And it beats carrying, you know, 40 cans of glue into a job site and trying to figure out what to do when it's all in that nice little nice little kit. So great. Uh, what what other? Well, we pretty much covered all, all you know, a lot of your products that are out there. Um, if if someone wants to see this, what is what is their website, Paul? Your web Bonstone's website. It's uh, it's Bonstone.com, uh, B-O-N-S-T-O-N-E.com, and generally it's uh, we just redid it and we're still working on it, but it's got all the applications uh, listed in there. Uh, if you go to products. It'll list all the different, uh, you know, because we're in like uh, obviously adhesives. We got coloring agents, liquid and powder. Uh, it's separated out as counter countertop adhesives and repair, uh, crack repair. We do a lot of crack repair interior and exterior. We we have clean. We have uh, a couple uh, cleaning products. We're not a cleaning company, but we do have some cleaning products, and one of them is a D2 biological solution, which is fantastic for any kind of biological growth. Um, Hardscape, marine, uh, monument, we do a lot in the monument market. Those categories are listed right on our site there under uh, the shop by category, but then we have a a distributor locator, which you can find any distributor around the country, Uh, and then all the architects and engineers, we have all the specifications for them. Uh, working with them. Oh, the other thing we didn't talk about was uh, I don't know if you wanted to go in that quick was uh, yeah. the green guard, the green guard, and the VOC oh, contents yeah. of these. Yes, that's coming to be pretty big with a lot of this stuff. Yeah, let's, um, let's talk about that. That's that's a good idea. So yeah, our site was just bonstone.com, and then you know generally you can pretty much walk yourself through it. it just to ask a couple questions in the search category, you'll find most of the stuff. But uh, the VOC content, like all of our epoxies are uh, VOC-free. So there's no uh, – or below the limits. So if you're working on a project or if you're worried about that or the customer wants to find out about that, the epoxies are VOC-free. And right. the urethanes are VOC-free. Um, when you get into VOC content, you usually have that with uh, a lot of the – you know, the polyesters and the vinyl esters and the acrylics is where you're going to run into issues with uh, the VOC content. And uh, that uh, we run a lot of projects where, you know, it's, you know, some uh, homeowners that really want to get deep into what's going to be put into their joint, you know, the mm-hmm. small little joint in their kitchen or the seam. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, there's uh and I don't know where it's going to take us down the road with the, uh, uh, with VOCs, California is probably a leader in, you know. Yeah, for sure. Forcing everybody to go change things. But, and uh, but uh, yeah, VOC content, uh, if it's something they're worried about, um, like virtually the urethanes have no, you can't even smell anything on them uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, any kind of VOC. There's no VOCs admitted, but uh, right. you can't, there's no smell to them. So, but uh yeah, that's a big issue with a lot of the projects going on. Oh yeah, I've run, in, I've run into that. You know, they want to see the safety data sheets, and I've actually had one client. Uh, the guy must have been a chemist or a former chemist was actually quizzing me on all the uh, 
the particulars about a particular product. And I was like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. It's crazy. All right. Before we wrap things up here, Paul, is there anything else you want to, uh, you want to mention? Um, and, oh, porcelain. That's right. Porcelain oh, too. yeah. Good, good, good idea. Yeah, that, yes. was a, that was a, I mean, I, I kind of wrote down some of the different uh, surfaces, you know, the granite, marble, limestone, sandstone, quartzite, and then quartz, uh, centered energy, and uh, engineered stone and then porcelains. I don't, you know, with the whole COVID thing and and the way things have slowed down for a lot of commercial jobs, um, you know, porcelain was taken off and kind of uh, yeah. plateaued or is kind of flat right now. But we're seeing a lot of uh, you know the materials for uh, for the countertops that were used, and a lot of the factories are converting and making porcelain pavers right now. Mm. Uh, so that's greatly growing into the hardscape market. Right. And uh, we have a lot of products, especially the urethanes for bonding, the color mask systems and uh, cartridges for uh, porcelain market for exterior. So um, I I don't know where that's taking it, in the, you know, next year, the year after that, but and hopefully we can get to some more of these trade shows and find out some more with the customers and the distributors right. what's going on. But right. um that's a, that was a huge market, growing market at one time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see the tile, the porcelain tile marketplace. I mean, that's still going pretty strong. I'm running into more and more of that late, lately. Um, you know, speaking of different materials, such as porcelain, what about glass? I know some of the problems with uh, uh, some of the glass that's been out there um, has had an issue with uh, glues leaving a line where they're laminating. Have you guys solved that problem? Um. Well, glass is a tricky little, uh, (laughs) I mean, you have to, we always, you know, we worked with a lot of guys that were gluing glass together back, you know, 20 years ago, just any kind of, uh, especially in some pool areas, but, uh, you know, the glass is so compressed and so dense that, uh, you, we always recommend for any kind of bonding that there's a you scratch the surface you got to scratch that dense surface to get any kind of bond to it um and you were your question was about staining or leaching well what well what i don't know if it's doing it now but i know years ago when the the glass first came out they were having issues with you know using a clear a clear epoxy and then it would just it would leave a line it would turn yellow over time yeah um, that's, we recommend with any kind of glass where it's, you know, unless it's an opaque glass, but if it's a translucent, uh, glass joint that they use a urethane with it or oh, really? you know, okay. an, acryl- an acrylic, because, uh, you know, if, and here's another thing too, is if you're using a thick knife grade urethane, um, and sometimes a lot of the acrylics, it's, it looks cloudy in a mass. But when mm, you, yeah. you when you when you pull it down flat and like a joint, it's translucent and it's UV stable, so you're not going to get any discoloration with it. But sometimes people look at it in masses and you see a cloudy because there's a filler in there of some sort, yep. and that's but the real unless you're doing patching work like that. But right. generally, if you're doing a tight joint, you should actually just pull your material flat and see what kind of uh, translucency you have to it. So. But yeah, with glass, generally urethane. I'd, I'd probably go with a urethane or acrylic. Yeah, you know that, that's what you uh, just said there about fillers, and that reminded me of uh, I used to get calls all the time about uh, fabricators, you know, laminating granite, and uh, they would say, you know, I can't get the color just right or whatever. And what I used to teach in my class, and of course it depends on the color of the granite, is why why tint it. Just use, you know, we used your flowing touchstone product for years. And if you make that joint tight enough, you're not going to, not going to need to tint the, uh, tint the epoxy. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. We actually, um, have a kit that we sell that's, uh, granite and stone granules. And we make our own mixes like, you know, salt and pepper and a bunch of other ones. And for doing flame. And for doing flame granite for exterior, it's phenomenal. You just it's a one to one to one ratio. One part A, one part B, and one part of the granules, and there's no color mm-hmm. used. And the 
it's just a phenomenal look to it. Uh, and you can check that out on our website if, when you, you look at look up granules and some of the pictures we have and stuff. But it, we don't even use tint in it because the patch looks so awesome because you're, you know, you're, it's almost like making a piece of engineered, you know, uh, engineered stone. Right. It's 90% filler. Yep. And you're using a little <laughs> bit of resin. And yep. there's virtually no tint. There's no tint in it. So, I yeah, that's, I, I agree. If you get that seam really tight, there's no really need. And it's a darker, you know, darker color. There's no need to even use a tint with it. Yeah. Some of the clear resin. Yeah. And the same goes for repairs, too. I mean, I've seen guys trying to match, you know, a chip in a granite countertop. And if it's small enough, and, yeah, just put some clear in there. <laughs> It'll pick up the color to the, you know, the surrounding stone. And not, not all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. You know, but but uh, a lot of times I would say start with a clear first. If you, you know, if it doesn't look right to you, then you know, take a heat gun, heat it out, and start over again. You know. Yeah. It works good. All right. Last question I have for you, Paul, is uh, what about technical support? Does Bonstone uh, offer technical support out there in case you know somebody's out in the field, they're doing a repair, or they're in the shop and they can't get something right? Uh, is there a technical number for that? Um, if you call our Direct line, uh, 800 number or our direct line, um, they switch you right over to a, uh, our technical support. We have three guys here that have can handle almost any application. I mean, both Rob and I go out around the you know country and visit job sites and help people out. Um, and we'll, you know, like I said, the, the, talk to architects, engineers, homeowners, uh, distributors, everybody that's, uh, you know, got questions of it. We're going to we're not going to put you into a voicemail and let it hang there. We're going to uh, answer the questions for you. And the best way to do it, to be honest with you, is the fastest way is to take a picture of what you're doing, what you have, yep. your repair or your bond, and we can answer stuff very quickly that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, our, our that is our main focus of our company is uh, customer service and helping out uh, and understanding. Right. I mean, we have uh, – to be honest with you, I'm not the, the the guru chemical guy that has all the uh, can read off an, an SDS for you, but <laughs> we do understand we do understand applications here, so we can understand pretty quick of what you're going through and what you're doing and how to help you during it or after it or before it, uh, working with your applications. So, um, and we we enjoy doing it. I mean, that's our visiting job sites, you know. Um, is part of our uh, our job title here <laughs> in the yep. helping customers out. So, but uh, yeah, so it, technical... I really enjoy it. And I, I mean, I, yeah, I I really enjoy it because, uh, like I, you know, I, I learn stuff every day from contractors and uh, fabricators doing stuff a different way, and I'm like, oh my god, I did not know that, and <laughs> or they're using our product differently. So we get a big kick out of it, and uh, we try to promote and help people out to, uh, you know, make it look the best that it can and structurally as strong as it can. So. Sure. That's great. Do do you happen to have that technical support number handy? If not, I've got the website. uh, Yeah, go ahead. It's uh, 800-425-2214. And just ask for technical support and uh, one of us here will help you out. Great. Well, Paul, any, anything last minute to add before we call it a day? No, I appreciate it. I, you know, I, I, uh, I've known you for so many years, uh, yep. and uh, <laughs> I appreciate what you do for the industry. And uh, I just, uh, I think it's everything's out there on the web right now, and uh, you know, different uh, blogs, and but to have, uh, you know, meeting with customers and to talking on uh, sites like this. Uh, really helps out us and uh, I think the customers understanding the product a little bit more because, you know, you, even though it happens, you know, you're always trying to fix, you, you always get a call, you're trying to fix a problem. Yep. Uh, but uh, it's, I, we enjoy it here. So that's, that's all I, I guess I can say here. All right, Paul. Well, hey, I thank you for being on the show. That was some great information, and uh, hopefully everybody who's listening has 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 learned a lot. So uh, we'll be back right after this. 
Alrighty, folks, we are back live again, and that that was some great information. I hope you got a lot of good uh, information out of that. Uh, uh, if you have a tele, uh, telephone, <laughs> if you have a telephone, you might want to call. Yes, uh, if you have a question, uh, the phone number here is three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. After the show's over, or if you're uh, listening uh, to this via the podcast and not live, you can always send me a question or a comment at my email address, which is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I do want to, uh, one of the things I didn't get to do during that interview is tell some of the, uh, some of the failures that I've seen with using the wrong glues. And one of the stories that, that that's really interesting is uh, I had a, a call from a, a homeowner that had an enormous pool. Uh, this pool was, equivalent to what you would see at a hotel. That's how big this pool was. And he had travertine coping going all the way around the, around the pool. And it was a triple lamination. And the reason he called me was because all these laminations were at the bottom of the pool, every single one. And this pool happened to be in the South. It happened to be exposed to the hot sun. So I go out there and I take a look and sure enough, every single lamination is at the bottom of the pool. And fortunately the installer was there, or I should say the fabricator that was there. And I asked what type of glue they were using to do the laminations. He said, Oh, we always use epoxy. I go, Oh, can you, can you walk me through uh, the type of epoxy you used? And this is one good investigator technique that you always want to use when you're questioning someone that's doing work is to get, you, you want them to walk you through the details because here's what the details reveal. He said, sure. Uh, you know, we used this brand by, I think it was Akimi or something, or it doesn't really matter the brand name. And I said, well, can you, can you walk me through exactly what you did? You know, opening the can, you know, mixing the material. And what he said was, well, I opened the can uh, of epoxy. And I put it on a piece of cardboard and then I added the hardener. Uh, and I said, well, how much hardener do you use? He said, only a couple of drops of hardener. Well, if you listen to what Paul had just uh, talked about, what you're dealing with there is not an epoxy. It's a polyester. And as I said at the opening of the show, this is a situation I see on a constant basis where, where fabricators will use polyesters instead of epoxies where epoxy should be used. You know, another area where I've seen a lot of failures on, is on laminations. A lot of times polyesters over time become brittle. They become weak. And if you're using a polyester uh, to do your laminations, you can have the potential of that polyester failing. And I've seen laminations fall completely, completely off. And and for your fabricator, or not for your fabricators, but for you uh, restoration guys out there, uh, you know, be careful of using polyesters in exteriors. Be careful of using polyesters in wet areas because they'll do the same thing. They become brittle, they discolor, and they'll fall off. So anyway, folks, I'm going to wrap things up here for today. Uh, again, my email, fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. If you know anybody that wants to be interviewed, someone like Paul there, that was a great, great interview. Uh, I'm sure you'll go back and listen to this again and again and again. A lot of great information. I just want to publicly thank Paul again for his um, for his uh, information. That, that was great. So, folks, um, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains. Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Toughskin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Toughskin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. Are you tired of lugging dozens of stain removal chemicals around to remove stains from stone, tile, or concrete? Did you know you only need three chemicals to remove almost any stain, from organic stains to inorganic stains, 
Dr. Fred's Ultimate Stain Removal Kit is all you need. The kit contains three reagents and includes a detailed ebook on how to remove almost any stain. So if you're trying to remove difficult ink or rust or simply coffee and other food stains, this kit is all you need. To order, contact Dr. Fred at 321-514-6845. One kit is $69.95 plus shipping. 